everyone. I'm Hannah Syriac, and welcome to Fair Voice. Fair Voice is affiliated with Fair Mormon, but my opinions and the opinions expressed here do not necessarily represent the opinions of Fair Mormon or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Today, we have a really interesting interview, and I just want them to introduce themselves first and to introduce their podcast. So take it away, Emily and Andrew. You want to go first, Emily? Sure. Hi. Um, we're the Jordans. I'm Emily. We have three kids, and um, you might hear one of them. He's a brand new baby, so he might make some little cute baby noises, so hopefully that's okay. <laughs> um, we live down south. Um, we just moved here um, after graduating from BYU back in the beginning of 2020. Yep. So we live in Louisiana. Uh, Emily graduated with her degree in Russian and art. And then I studied Russian and political science. Uh, and so our podcast is Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. Uh, it kind of started because we were having a conversation a year ago talking about how uh, kind of a couple things. One, we were frustrated that there were so many negative voices in the world. Uh, and two, we were frustrated that sometimes among believers, when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have a tendency to talk about it in this kind of esoteric, abstract generalities or vague mm -hmm. platitudes and like, okay, well, like, okay, what do you do when you're having a hard time? And people will just say, oh, well, just have faith and pray. And that's true. Like, those are the things you do. But what does that look like on like the ground level, like in the nitty gritty? Uh, and so we wanted to kind of explore what that's like and give people uh, useful content in that kind mm -hmm. of sense. Yeah, it's very like useful, practical. It's our own personal experiences, a lot of fails and wins. <laughs> yeah, well, and that kind of morphed over time into a desire to also build interfaith bridges. Uh, and so we uh, specifically moved to Louisiana, which is where I, I grew up in Louisiana, but we had plans to live in areas where there are a lot more members of the church, but we decided that we wanted to live somewhere uh, where we could be engaged in missionary work and in building up the kingdom. Uh, and part of that was we wanted to build these bridges between different faiths and our own faith. Uh, and so because of that, our podcast has kind of taken on a, it's, we're not like a non-denominational voice. Like we're still very Latter-day Saint. Right. We don't shy away from being members of the church. Right. Um, but we're not trying to like be our, our, like, we're not pushing the church on people through our podcast. Well, and it's, it's, sense. well, the audience is not primarily Latter-day Saint. Right. Latter-day Saints. It's, it's a good mix. Yeah. And so we intentionally uh, have a guest on who are not members and we try and share gospel principles that are applicable generally. Mm -hmm. uh, and we still talk about, you know, things that are very Latter-day saint -y, like patriarchal blessings and temples. And, right. We'll still use the jargon, but we make sure to explain it. Yeah. And so, and we've intentionally had people on to build these relationships with other people in our, in our immediate community, but then also in kind of like the global faith community. So that's us. Yeah. That's so awesome. I actually had a chance to listen to a couple of your episodes and I saw that you got to interview Emma Price. Emma Price and I have been in the same graduate program. So I've known her for a number of years and that was a really great interview. Um, oh, really? That's segue, cool. Yeah. I love her. She's awesome. She is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, she's a strong woman. <laughs> For sure. 
Um, what has been the most interesting interview or thing that you have talked about on your podcast? Oh, that's a tough one. The most interesting. Oh, well, I really liked, um, an interview we had with Hannah Lugaville. I think I said her name probably wrong, <laughs> but, um, she, um, she's on Instagram as cold coffee, hot mess, but she had an elective mastectomy. Um, and she just talked a lot about her experience with that. Um, I guess I, I mean, I can't even talk about the medical side of all of that, but basically she was at very high risk for breast cancer. And so she decided on her own to go ahead and have the mastectomy done. Um, but then she just tied everything back on her own to Jesus Christ and how, how important it is to be so rooted in him. And, um, one of the themes that we have in our family and our marriage and in our podcast is to continually be rooted. Um, and what that means for us is that, um, we need to have appropriate expectations, um, and kind of like be present and be where we're at, not just in our location, but in the phase of life that we're in. Um, and so she talked a lot about, a lot about being rooted in Jesus Christ and, um, and how he can, because, of, because of the fact that he's our savior, he, he knows us, he knows where we're at and he knows, um, he has appropriate expectations for us that we need to have for ourselves. So mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed the fact that she wasn't a member of the church. She isn't. Um, and yet we could connect so strongly on just the fact that Jesus Christ is our savior and he loves us and we need to be rooted completely in him. Yeah. That was a really powerful episode. Um, yeah. and it kind of, it, that one really cemented in our podcast culture, the desire to build, uh, interfaith bridges. Um, I think, man, we've had a couple of really good ones. I'm going to pick one that we've have recorded and then one that we are going to be recording this Friday, which is the one I'm most excited about that we've done in a long time. Uh, but we recorded an episode with um, the Kinney Kinneys. Mm -hmm. They're some of my, Lee or Siope. Siope is, was my dad's best friend in high school. They did madrigals together. And so they were really close. Uh, but he is a, a therapist and his wife is a, a nurse practitioner. She's a nurse practitioner for a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we talked with them about uh, depression, anxiety, uh, when it's appropriate to seek medical help, when you need to do seek medical help, and when you need to just suck it up. And then like how to deal with family members who are dealing with it and how to know, again, when to tell them to suck it up or when <laughs> to encourage them to get help. Right. And the focus in that was on teens if i remember yeah it was Probably. a lot of it was youth. on like the youth and raising resilient children oh, yeah that's awesome so. that's yeah and really the, cool. and lee has a, a podcast called smart parenting podcast mm -hmm. and it's specific it's, it's kind of niche but it's uh he provides tons of help for parents with children with adhd mm -hmm. yeah so kind of niche but he is amazing. They provide so much good content and he's hilarious. Oh, he's so funny. It's yeah, that was a yeah. great episode. Um, and then this Friday we are recording an episode. Um, I don't actually know which episode is going to be coming out first. I guess it doesn't really matter. Anyway. Uh, so Friday we are recording an episode with, 
our bishop here, who is white, um, and, our, our, and our, our bishop here in this ward, who is white, uh, and then a pastor from a black non-denominational church, which is right next door to our chapel. Neighbors. <laughs> and then our mission president and his wife, who are both black. The mission president of the area that we're in. Yeah. Not sorry. our personal mission president. Yeah, yeah. Our, the mission president, the current mission president in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're going to be talking about the historical divide between black and white churches in America. Mm -hmm. um, and how we're trying to overcome it, how we can overcome it. Yeah, and how it we right need now. to overcome it. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. That sounds like a really good interview. That's something that I think definitely needs to happen. I haven't heard of anyone doing an interview on that. So I'm really grateful that you guys are doing that. Well, thanks. We're really excited. It's taken a long time to kind of get all the pieces together, but yeah, it's been in the works for months. So hopefully it will be great. <laughs> yeah. And they're all amazing, amazing people. They have so yeah. much experience. And so we will probably not add too much to the conversation. We will literally just provide the platform right. and we're just going <laughs> to let them go and ask a couple of good questions and that'll be it. <laughs> That's sometimes how the best interviews go. Can you tell me a little bit more about the religious makeup of Louisiana? So, for example, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, um, and we have a predominantly Catholic um, makeup with, you know, of course, other religions there, but predominantly Catholic. Is there a predominant religion within Louisiana in the area that you're in, or is it a pretty healthy mix? Why don't you answer that? Because you're from here. Yeah, and so, uh, so it's kind of split. Um, you know, just like in, in Massachusetts, there, or especially in Boston, there are a lot of Catholics, especially Irish Catholics, right? Uh, in Louisiana, there were, because of the French influence, there's a lot of French Catholics. Um, so in the southern part of the state, it's mostly Catholic, if I remember, remember correctly. And then in the northern part of the state, it's more um, Protestant. But that being said, there are a ton of Protestant churches down here in the south, or down here in the southern part of the state. And so in our area, it's mostly Catholic with a lot of Protestants. Super cool. You've talked a little bit already about how you got interested in building interfaith relationships. Can you talk a little bit more about your desire to do that and how you approach that? I feel like is members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we can often feel like building these relationships is a threat to our faith. I know that I've talked to several people who have said that they feel like they have to sacrifice parts of their faith to build these relationships, which I don't think is true. And I don't think we should have that culturally be true. Can you talk a little bit about your process in doing this and how you approach it? Um, yeah, so something that has been on our minds and hearts a lot today is just that um, we are all children of our Heavenly Father and um, we all have this light of Christ and um, sometimes because there are so many denominations there's you know like Catholic Baptists members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and several others um, sometimes it can feel like there's somehow in Christianity, there's even divides. Um, and something that we just have to remember is that like, we're all on God's side. As long as we're believing in Jesus Christ, we're on his side and um, there really shouldn't be any competition. Yeah. As long as we are trying to um, seek to do good and to bring goodness for Christ's sake. 
And, and let me kind of speak uh, to probably the concern of a lot of people who feel the way that you, you said, mm -hmm. Hannah. Um, in my experience, when people feel that way, and I remember feeling this way, um, especially kind of early on in my mission, I felt that way, um, that, you know, these kind of interfaith relations are kind of uh, only useful and that they are a backdoor to baptism kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I, I think there's, there are, to be just to be just completely honest, there are uh, the groups of members of the church and people in religion generally uh, who kind of approach religion as this, they have like the soft approach to religion where they're like, oh yeah, so you know, like all religions have good things. And so they're just all good. And we just have to like love everybody for their goodness. And they kind of just focus so superficially on religion uh, and, and they want to build interfaith bridges based off of this like superficial approach to religion um and that is heretical that's wrong mm -hmm. um almost like denying the differences and only focusing on what we all have in common right right and just like kind of the superficial approach to, to faith uh which i i have very strong negative feelings about that <laughs> approach to, to faith because uh, i think it waters down the gospel uh but there is a really good quote that I found today when we were talking about this. I want to find it from, all right. So uh, Orson F. Whitney, who was uh, an apostle in the early days of the church, if, for those of you who don't know, said, God is using more than one people for the accomplishment of his great and marvelous work. The Latter-day Saints cannot do it all. It is too vast, too arduous for any one people. And then I, I think about uh, what Brigham Young and, and Joseph Smith taught on multiple occasions that all truth belongs to the savior and therefore belongs to his people. So it belongs to the Latter-day Saints. And so like, we don't have to be um, intimidated by other, um, by other religions uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, if we see something good in other religions, we can say like, that is true. Like that is godly. And like, I can incorporate that into the, you know, into how I live life uh, because that is truth. And that doesn't take away from the gospel at all. Uh, but to kind of get back to the, your question, uh, I think there's just, there's so many, there, there's so much evil in the world and there are so many people who are committed to tearing down faith and tearing down a belief in not just deity, but tear down faith in goodness. Uh, and so many of our brothers and sisters in the world who are not ready and willing to ready or willing or capable for whatever reason of accepting the, the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ are going to be, or are currently being manipulated by these people who are denying all goodness. And so if we can build bridges and strengthen, um, strengthen those of our brothers and sisters who are fighting for goodness and fighting for belief in deity, fighting for a belief in right and wrong, then we will be able to help even more of our brothers and sisters, even if they don't want to accept the fullness of the gospel. I think that's a really great point. When you both were speaking, I was thinking of the statement of the First Presidency regarding God's love for all mankind that was issued on February 15th, 1978. And one thing that it says that really resonated with what you have been saying is, 
The great religious leaders of the world, such as Muhammad, Confucius, and the Reformers, as well as philosophers, including Socrates, Plato, and others, received a portion of God's light. Moral truths were given to them by God to enlighten whole nations and to bring a higher level of understanding to individuals. And then a bit further down, consistent with these truths, we believe that God has given and will give to all people sufficient knowledge to help them on their way to eternal salvation, either in this life or the life to come. And quote, I really like this section because I think it hits at the home of what you're saying, which is that these interfaith relationships are critical because while we do have differences that we need to acknowledge, the similarities that we have as well will help us to structure society. And I definitely feel like I can stand particularly with my evangelical brothers and sisters. That's the denomination that I've done the most interfaith work with mm -hmm. um, to stand with them and to fight against the influences that we see together that are negative. Could you talk a, a little bit about some positive experiences that you've had while trying to build these interfaith relationships? Well, this, this kind of, um, hmm. Let's see, I'm trying to decide if I want to share that story or not. Um, well, I'll talk about experience I had a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, when I went over, uh, how do I say this? When we originally planned to have our podcast or our recording session with uh, Pastor Harvey, who is the the black pastor from a, a black non-denominational church, uh, I, along with our bishop and the current mission president and his wife, went to their one of their services on Sunday. Uh, so we went to their service, and then before and afterwards, we uh, met with him for a while in uh, in his in his office, and it was just such a powerful experience for me for a couple reasons. One, um, during their service, I saw a lot that was to be admired, um, but then I'll be that I also saw some of the doctrinal things. I'm like, I don't agree with this. I see how this is how this approach is going to be detrimental in the long term for their progression and whatnot. But then I also felt our heavenly father's deep and abiding love for, for them. And uh, as we talked about what we can be doing together to be working together, to help specifically uh, the black community where, where we live, because they're uh, in Louisiana, there is a large, large black community uh, and we are working together with this pastor to to start uh, an interfaith council uh, in our parish. So in, in Louisiana, we don't have parishes, we have, or we don't have counties, we have parishes, which is a throwback to the, the French. Uh, but we were talking about um, our interfaith council and the things we can do to lift up our brothers and sisters. Uh, and just seeing that those two things right next to each other, the one like the recognition that you know, we differ on doctrine. And I, I see that personally, I believe that the light that they have is good, uh, but it's not the fullness of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But recognizing that and then being able to also recognize, you know, right after that we can do so much good and that this is what Heavenly Father wants us to do was a really cool, powerful experience for me. Mm -hmm. And I am so blessed to work with the young women in our ward um, and so it's been really fun to kind of talk with them about 
how we can as youth, well, I'm not a youth, but how they can as youth um, build bridges by inviting their um, friends of um, other faiths and um, diverse of different diversities and stuff to events and to activities. And they are getting really excited about doing that because um, as Andrew said, there is a very large black community here. Um, but at the same time, it's not that way within the church. Mm -hmm. the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints here is very predominantly white yeah. still. And it's, it's so interesting to watch the youth and understand that they, even at a young age, they don't want to be seen as a white church. They want to make sure that they are all inclusive and that, um, that they're friends of other faiths and other races can feel comfortable in our buildings and not feel like, oh my gosh, you invited me here and everyone's white and I don't feel comfortable kind of a thing. So that's been really um, interesting and fun to watch them get excited about. Yeah. I really yeah. like that. And I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, oh, I was thinking one more conversation that we had on a plane uh, kind of before all the pandemic stuff happening, happened. It was with a, oh, I can't remember what the gal's name was. She was a follower of, I can't remember, I asked her specifically how they want to be identified, but she, uh, she didn't really give me a clear answer. She was a, a worshiper of oh. Hare Krishna, mm -hmm. which is a kind of a denomination of Hinduism. She was yeah, like, I don't understand all the way. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's not important, but uh, we had a super great conversation uh, where we were able to find commonalities and uh, and then also say like, oh, like I see that, like we differ in this and we were able to say that uh, and we were able to differ and like understand that we didn't have to agree uh, and that we didn't approach every conversation as if we were trying to baptize each other. Uh, even though that's, of course, the, the deepest desire of our hearts is for all of our brothers and sisters to accept the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but understanding that uh, we can just, we can build bridges, especially at first, uh, and then if, as the, the Lord will take care of the conversion part, if that's, if that's going to happen. I really like what you said there, especially about inclusion and being able to acknowledge differences without feeling like there's a threat there. I, I yeah. feel like, especially in the church, it's still not as multicultural as we would like it to be, of course. Um, it, for me in Massachusetts, it was a bit more multicultural than I would say that it is in Utah. Um, but I do feel like what you said there about being able to kind of peacefully coexist and, and recognize that, you know, there's a whole host of factors that contribute to differences that we have inside and outside of the church and being able to see those for what they are and appreciate them instead of constantly be trying to fight against them, I think is a really important step to take because as you said, the Lord will take care of it. Have you experienced any challenges when trying to build these interfaith relationships? Oh yeah. Definitely. Kind of going back before our podcasting journey started, I grew up in the South um, and the town where I grew up in had a terrible public school. And so I went to a private Southern Baptist high school or like, I guess it was elementary, middle school and high school. Um, and the clergy there were vehemently anti 
guess I can't say anti-Mormon anymore, whatever the equivalent of anti-Mormon is now, anti-Latter-day Saint. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was extremely difficult to build bridges. I mean, every time I thought I was building a bridge, the I feel like the, the pastor would have a, uh, like a special retreat and then he would like their treat would be about like dealing with the evils of Mormonism. Uh, and that was super hard. And it would, that, that kind of messed me up for a long time. And with my, uh, approach to, uh, to, uh, to building interfaith bridges, cause I was just so bitter about it that I kind of went to the extreme. I was like, you know what? Like, I just want to be like a Latter-day Saint. I want to talk to those people who want to be converted. Um, but like, that's it. Like, I don't really want to deal with anybody else. Um, and when I'm talking to people, I'm going to be talking to them specifically just to convert them. And that's, that's all. Um, and that was, it was just super difficult to be a kind of hammered over and over and over again. But I would say since we started the podcasting journey, we haven't had a whole lot of difficulties. There's been uh, some reticence on the part of some of the people we've tried to have on that were that weren't members of the church. Um, because they were like, okay, like, I don't really know what this is about. I'm not really, they don't know if they are okay with being on with members of the church. Um, but I felt like this was even more prevalent when we tried to have people who weren't members of the church on in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like, there was a lot of distrust for some reason. And so we tried to do, and we're still trying to do this episode of, we want to do an episode on multi-faith marriage mm-hmm. or multi-faith marriages uh, and bring on a, a bishop or a, someone from the church with, with ecclesiastical experience uh, and then bring on like a pastor or a reverend or a priest from another denomination and have them talk about multi-faith marriages and, and how uh, we're not really about like avoid. I mean, we don't really want to talk about how people end up in them. We just want to talk about what to do when you're in them, how to make it work. Um, and it was super hard to find people who were willing to talk about that on the non-member side. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it hasn't been a negative experience. There's been some reticence, I think. I would agree, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of the time in my, in my experience with building these relationships, of course, you're going to experience a little bit of pushback in some places, but overall it is definitely a very positive experience. How would you suggest, um, the so for, for reference, the majority of people who listen to my podcast are within Utah, which not super right. shocking, um, <laughs> but for someone in Utah, would you have any tips for how to build interfaith relationships in Utah? I mean, I'm at BYU, uh, I'm able to do it by going to, you know, outside Provo City Center Temple um, every Thursday night. But I feel like these can be really hard to find in Utah just because, you know, there's a word building on every corner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So advice for doing it in in Utah specifically. Um, We can also do outside of Utah too if that makes it easier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean it is difficult. I mean, that, and again, that's one reason that we decided we wanted to live outside of Utah, despite the fact we're not one of those people that moved to Utah and then rag on Utah forever oh, no. and ever. Like we love Utah and we miss it. Yeah. It honestly kind of broke our hearts when we moved because we just, we love the mountains. And 
I grew up not having, I was, I grew up in a branch that was really small and there weren't very many people who, there weren't very many youth at all. Uh, and so like being in a place where like there are so many members and there are so many temples and there are Deseret books everywhere. And, it was exciting and fun. Yeah, it was so fun and I loved it so much. Uh, so, but I, I get the difficulty of that in Utah. Um, but in Yeah, because we had such a strong desire to be like, great missionaries in Utah, but it's hard. There's, it's hard to find people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we lived uh, in Wymount, which is like the married student apartments mm -hmm. uh, in Provo. Um, and yeah, there was very few, very little uh, interaction with, with people who weren't members of the church. But in general, um, I think... I think just being active about having conversations with people who are not members of the church and we all travel, right? I mean, for the most part, all of us, we fly or we did fly back when flying was still like <laughs> a common thing, but we still travel and we interact with people. Uh, and I would say like, always be willing to and eager to talk about the church, but, um, and I don't want to, I want to be very careful in saying this. Uh, we are not full-time missionaries. And so our primary goal doesn't necessarily have to always be getting somebody to schedule an appointment with the missionaries. Does that make right. sense? Like mm -hmm. yeah. we, we have the benefit of, Emily and I both serve full-time missions. And so we know what the grind is like. We know what, what that calling is like. And we know one, how hard it is and how necessary it is and how wonderful it is. But it's over now. <laughs> but it's over now. We don't have to do that all the time. Uh, but we should always be willing to talk about the Savior. Uh, and so just approach conversations, always looking to share about the gospel and be willing and listening to the Spirit to see, okay, is this, is this someone I should invite to hear, or hear more about the gospel uh, from the missionaries, et cetera? Like you guys all know the drill. But also be very open to the idea that I'm just going to build bridges. I just want to find commonalities. Uh, and leave this person or leave this interchange with this person um, and leave it with them having a really good taste in their mouth about the church. Right. And even if they don't know that we are members of the church, as long as I feel like as long as they can have a good taste in their mouth about you as a person, mm -hmm. um, that would be a great thing. Andrew is super, super great at always opening his mouth. Even if he's not talking about the gospel, he's talking to every cashier every store worker he comes in mm -hmm. contact with um, about them. He's asking them how they're doing and he's so sincere. And that is such a great example um, to me about how we need to be treating people and how the savior would look at someone and treat them. Right. Um, Which is actually one reason I really love wearing things like BYU hats or t-shirts or things that kind of identify me as, as being a member of the church mm -hmm. uh, or just being a Christian in general. Like we have a couple shirts um, that are very like Christ, like we have one. It's like what was it? What does it say? Like uh, my mountain of faith. What is that one? <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway, like Jesus shirts. Okay, Jesus shirts. Jesus shirts. <laughs> uh, and uh, just so people can like associate those images and symbols with my countenance. Right. And so I'm very um, conscious of that, and I want to leave people with a good taste in their mm -hmm. mouth. And that's something you can totally do in Utah. There's plenty of 
cashiers at grocery stores and in gas stations that are not members of the church. Oh yeah, or they're, or they're have... disaffected members of the church. Right. Who, I mean, we all, the, you all know these people, like you go into stores, you can see like that person is either not a member of the church or is not actively living a church or like not a worthy member of the church. Or I mean, maybe I can't say that, but you can see that they might not be what you think of as a fully active member of the church. Okay, I'll say that. I feel comfortable saying that. Uh, and you want to do everything you can to make them remember something good about their interaction with you. Mm -hmm. Because that's what it means to bear the name of the Savior, right? Like right. we're always trying to do things that the Savior would do. And so the Savior would never leave any interaction without people feeling good about themselves and mm -hmm. being happy that they met the Savior. Unless they're terrible people, and they hate the Savior, like, because there were people who hated the Savior, I guess, right? Yeah. Some people, you can't change. You can't put a smile on their face. Nope. But, but as long as best. we can try. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And I, I think what you said about making sure that our interactions are really Christ-centered is really key, right? Because we're ultimately not the person that converts people. And ultimately, like, our our, our experience is to be a conduit for the Holy Spirit that can testify right. of the truthfulness of the gospel to individuals and testify of God's love. So I really like that you shared that. Um, do you have any thoughts about how someone can change their mindset of being afraid to have interfaith relationships? Um, I... So there's a, uh, on church newsroom, uh, there's a topic essay thing. So they put these like little essays or blurbs or blog posts or whatever you want to call them on the church newsroom every now and again. And there's one called Interfaith Relations. Um, and there's a quote, hold on. I have it pulled up on my phone. Let me see. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to read this paragraph real quick. And it has some points that I think can help. Uh, the says the late Christer Stendhal, Stendhal, uh, Emer, Emeritus, there you go, Emeritus Lutheran Bishop of Stockholm and Professor Emeritus of Harvard Divinity, Divinity School established three rules for religious understanding. One, when you are trying to understand another religion, you should ask the adherents of that religion and not its enemies. Two, don't compare your best to their worst. And three, leave room for holy envy by finding elements in other faiths to emulate. So there's three really cool points. Um, and I think everybody is kind of nervous for different reasons. I think there's the kind of nervousness for the reasons that we talked about at the beginning of this um, feeling that, okay, if I build these bridges, I'm going to be watering down the gospel because I'm, I'm like finding these commonalities with these other religions and I'm admiring other religions. Uh, but we don't need to be afraid of that. So number three, point number three addresses that, this leave room for holy envy by finding elements in other faiths to emulate. And I think Latter-day Saints are uniquely and extremely advantageously positioned to take advantage of that point because we don't believe that the canons are closed. We don't believe that Heavenly Father has ceased speaking to us and that he has delivered all divine knowledge to us. We believe that the canons are open, that Heavenly Father is still speaking to us. And so when we find goodness in the world or in other religions or things that we can have that holy envy for. We don't have to have this holy envy that this Lutheran bishop is talking about where he has this holy envy that 
of things he sees in other religions that he really admires, but aren't in his religion, we can say, hey, I love this thing that's in another religion, uh, and I want to apply that in my own faith. Uh, and that's, I mean, as long as that thing you're admiring is a good thing, but we have the spirit to help us determine that. Um, and like I said, we are uniquely positioned for that because all truth belongs to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, because this is the restored church of Christ, and we're not reliant upon, uh, we're not reliant upon a few canonical texts only. We do have those canon, those those canon, that canon, and it does guide us, and it does kind of set up parameters to help us along the way. Uh, but the Lord has not said that's all He's ever going to deliver to us, and I think that is a unique position in the world of believers. Um, I mean, the other things that I think are are obstacles are things like just being nervous to talk to people, like being nervous and being worried about being shunned or kind of put down. Do you want to talk about that, hun? Um, yeah, I mean, I get really, I mean, yes, I get really nervous, even though I served a full-time mission. Um, one of the hardest things on my mission for me was to open my mouth and talk, which is <laughs> um, quite a weakness to have on a mission. Um, but that is still one of the hardest things for me is to open my mouth because it's really nerve wracking. I get nervous about people thinking I'm weird or um, rejecting what I have to say or asking me questions I don't know answers to. And I think the weird thing is definitely true, especially outside of outside Utah. Outside of Utah, yeah. Because like newsflash for you people, if you haven't really been in like outside of Latter-day Saint circles, like the gospel is a very peculiar thing. Like the Lord has, has expect, expects us to live a very peculiar lifestyle. Um, and so like we get that, like when we walk around and we're young, like we're both 26 and we already have three kids and, um, and we had all of them intentionally and all within wedlock and people <laughs> kind of look at us weird. Yeah. And so we get that, like, there's this kind of awkwardness about it. Like mm -hmm. people kind of think that we're weird. Right. But every time that I try to overcome the nervousness um, and the fear, I always feel good about myself. And I always feel like the spirit is there to lift me up and to help me say what I need to say. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, and That's I really think the, the last thing, and, oh, oh, go ahead, you had that. Sorry. Um, and something that um, one of my leaders told me a few years ago was that people, and I, I she might have been quoting someone else because I feel like it's very familiar, but um, people may not always remember what you say, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. And that's a big one for me, especially podcasting. It's been a real struggle. I don't feel like I'm very good with my words. I don't speak pretty. <laughs> but, I, don't, um, I don't speak pretty. Okay? Yeah. But I feel like as long as I can keep the mindset that, hey, if people remember how I made them feel, that's more important sometimes than what I have to say. Right. So. And the last thing I want to say, just kind of like it's a, a motivation, right? Because what we We've been talking a little bit about like the hows, and Emily brought up some whys. And I think one last why goes back to this first point that I read. When you are trying to understand another religion, you should ask the adherents of that religion and not its enemies. There is so much negative information about the church that's out there um, because of the unique message of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There is a unique amount of 
uh, antipathy directed at the church. And so there's a, a unique amount of anti-derogatory messaging out there. Uh, and so we want to allow other people the opportunity to have good interactions with members of the church and to um, have a, a conduit or um, yeah, yeah, say conduit to be able to ask those questions about our church to a believer, to an adherent of, of our faith. Uh, and when you build an interfaith bridge and you are trying to uh, learn more about another person and find commonalities with them, you're also opening that interchange from your side so people can see the truth. And so even if they never become members of the, tr of the church, there are very few good faithful people of other of other denominations or other religions that i have found that don't leave an an interchange with a righteous latter-day saint thinking that latter-day saints are admirable people and we end up getting more advocates among other believers as we try and build these interfaith bridges because again that interchange goes both ways yeah, I really liked that. And I really liked what you said, Emily, too, about people remember how you make them feel. I think that that's a really important part that really strikes home to me for what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, which is being able to show people love while trying our best to speak pretty, which I also struggle with, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I want to close on one last question for you both, which is, what holy envy do you have for things in other religions? Mm, that's a good one. I love, um, and I don't, I can't pinpoint what religion it is or what denomination exactly, but I love it down here in the South that everybody talks about Jesus. Mm -hmm. They praise him loudly and unashamedly, unashamedly unabashedly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I love that. And I feel like I don't do that enough. I mean, I do that at home. I do it personally in my own heart, but I don't talk about the savior so openly as they do. And that is something that I just love. And I would love to implement more in my life is mm -hmm. to, to bring him up in conversation, to make sure that people know that I am grateful for him and for what he's done for me. So. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, second, what Emily said, uh, but then also, uh, I really admire the uh, faithful adherence of Islam. Uh, so when I was a missionary for the church in Moscow, uh, we had a lot of interaction with, with Muslims. And it was always a fast, it was a fascinating like threshold to cross for me because growing up in the deep South, didn't really have a lot of contact with Muslims. But then all of a sudden when I got to Moscow, um, if I was having a hard day and the Russians, especially like the white Russians weren't talking to me and they were being very mean, I knew that if I could find a Muslim, they would almost always be nice. <laughs> and so they almost would never, they almost would never want to talk to me about the gospel, but they were almost always nice. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would, I, I knew that it was, honestly going to be an unproductive conversation like we're never going to get a follow-up appointment i mean almost never uh but like i could go and talk to them and uh and i have i've made some really great friendships from 
from engaging in those kind of conversations with with my Muslim brothers, mostly brothers. The sister, I I met very few Muslim women that were willing to talk to me because of the cultural right. stereotypes that go around with that. Uh, mm-hmm. But all I mean, most of the Muslim men were very willing to talk. Um, so we found some commonality. I I met one guy that was like, "Wait, are you guys the?" polygamous ones like i have three wives like is that like how do you feel about that (laughs) and i was like well "Well." (laughs) Uh, but also uh i i admire their their devotion to um to god uh i i did have the opportunity to have a, a lot of lessons with muslims and uh when you a lot of missionaries probably have the same experience when when they taught about the Book of Mormon, people were reading the Book of Mormon. They got to the first couple chapters of Nephi, and they're like, "Nephi killed Laban. Like, how could God do that? Like, that doesn't seem right. Like, this book doesn't seem like it can be inspired of God because you know, like, Nephi killed him. Like, Laban didn't do anything to him. Like, maybe he did something in the past, but that's not justify. That's not justification to kill him just because. But all my Muslims, Muslim friends that I talked to about that, they're like, "Yeah, God told him to kill him, so he killed him. That's fine." And there's just like complete dedication to the to to God because they said like if God tells you to do something you do it, uh, and so I love this kind of like I do what God says, mm-hmm. um, like that complete devotion, um, and like yeah that can set up problems if you don't have a good good access to God, um, or modern revelation or modern <laughs> revelation. But again, this, this complete devotion to God is something that I, uh, I really admire. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I think this was a really uplifting episode. And I really hope that at least one person who listens to this feels a little bit inspired to go out and to build interfaith relationships. Because I do wholeheartedly believe that we need more intercultural, interfaith relationships within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So this was Emily and Andrew Jordan, and their podcast is called Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. We can find it on SoundCloud. Is there anywhere else we can find it or just on SoundCloud? Uh, Basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah, perfect. SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, all of them. Spotify. Yep, wherever you're listening. (laughs) So please listen to their podcast. I really enjoyed this interview. Thank you very much. Thanks.